It's really good to be with you here in Kansas. Uh, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. And um, I want to tell you guys something. I love the USA. I really do. I really do. Someone came to me earlier on uh, and said a few things. I just thought that's funny. But I'm going to tell you something. I love the US. And um, whenever I am on American soil, um, I have to do a few things. I have to say thank you. And you guys have a great thing called Thanksgiving. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving in Trinidad like how you guys uh, do it. But my wife loves the mashed potatoes. And she loves the green beans. She likes the turkey. And something she likes that I don't get at all. The, the marshmallows on top of the green beans, I don't get it. Uh, on, on top of the sweet potatoes. She's, she's correcting me. She loves things. She loves it. Uh, so you're going to see us tonight for sure. All right. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I must say thank you. And um, when I say thank you, I am directing this thanks uh, to the American people. And I'm not saying thank you because, you know, you guys gave us KFC in Trinidad. And if you know anything about Trinidad, we love ourselves some KFC. We love it. We really do. Uh, you guys, uh, the American people, you know, uh, with your influence, we have stuff like Starbucks. Can you imagine we have Starbucks in Trinidad? Uh, Trinidad is 60 miles long, 40 miles wide, uh, about 1.3 million people, and that it's, 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 yeah, it's a little crowded, uh, but we've got, we've got KFC, we've got Starbucks, we've got Wendy's, uh, we have Uber, Uber. <laughs> In Trinidad, we have Uber in Trinidad. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts, that's a good one, you know. I heard their coffee is good, Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, so uh, uh, thanks for all those things, but that's not why I came to Kansas to say thanks, you know. I'm saying thanks for what the American people do for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I'm saying thanks. Uh, my father was the very first person in his line of forefathers to give his heart to Christ. Can you imagine that? Uh, they were all Hindus. And, uh, you know, he heard the gospel for the very first time from a guy who left the state of West Virginia. And um, all uh, growing up, you know, all I knew about West Virginia was the song, Country Roads, uh, Take Me Home. <laughs> and then I heard, well, here, West Virginia, that's all I knew about West Virginia. You know, but it has a whole new meaning now when I realize that someone left West Virginia and came to Trinidad and my father gave his heart to Christ. It means a lot to me now. And uh, someone, uh, you know, my father, uh, you know, he learned uh, growing up in the Hindu religion that there were millions of gods. And if you wanted, you can become a god. And uh, he, he, there was a point in time in his life where he tried really hard to do the best that he can so he can attain uh, that status of being a God. You know? But someone came and told him about the true and living God. And you know, I, I'm here now, and I'm in Kansas, and I can say something. This is what I want to say. Uh, there is one God, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? And, you know, I say that unashamedly. I say that uh, I'm not going to apologize uh, for saying that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Amen? Amen. And Amen. You can give it. That's a good place to put your hands together. 
And I want to thank you guys uh, for, for doing that, for sending. Uh, my father gave his heart to Christ, and after a while, uh, his father gave his heart to Christ. My granddad gave his heart to Christ. And then his brothers and sisters started giving their hearts to Christ. And then the Beitu family, he made sure that all of his kids were serving God. And I saw uh, a shift taking place in our family. We were pointed in one direction, and now we're going the completely opposite direction. And we're going in that direction with purpose. And we are taking Jesus along with us. And, you know, that seed that that guy planted from West Virginia, I don't think he understands uh, or, or if he realized how much that seed, you know, sprouted, how much fruit came from that seed. You know, we, we've had your pastor in Trinidad, and he preached at our Wednesday night service. And, um, you, know, you know, my dad started a church, and about 30 years ago, and I'm going to give you a statistic about this church in 30 years, we have never had a Sunday morning where we did not have a first-time visitor to our church in 30 years. And every single Sunday morning, people are giving their hearts to Christ. We had a special service in our, in our church, uh, uh, I think this year, and we had about 200 armed uh, people from the armed service in Trinidad, you know, they were all in the military gear and military uniform, and they, and they came to a special service that we had for them, and half of them, a hundred of them, over a hundred of them, gave their hearts to Christ in that service, and I thought that that was just completely amazing, and then not only that, that day, uh, a few of them even followed the Lord in water baptism, and I think that's awesome, you know. And I always think back to that guy from West Virginia. I always think back, you know, he left his home. Uh, he was obedient. Uh, and he decided that he was going to share the gospel with someone else. And, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of people from the U.S. came to Trinidad uh, during, after the Second World War. And up until the 90s, you know, a lot of people from the U.S. came to Trinidad. And they came to share the gospel with someone else. When I was growing up and about my daughter's age... If I saw someone of your complexion, right? Pardon the, 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 the uh, but if I saw someone of your complexion and they came to me, I knew they were going to tell me about Jesus. And if I heard the accent, I knew they were going to tell me. And they would go into their pockets and they would take out a bracelet and they would put it on my hand and they're going to tell me what each color means. And by, I'm, I'm, I'm just mesmerized by this colorful bracelet. And by the time they are done telling me about this bracelet, I heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they would put it on my bracelet, and they would, and they would give me another one, and they would tell me, oh, you've got to tell someone else about this before you give them that bracelet. And I, I just thought it was so cool to look for someone that I wanted to give this bracelet to, and um, I would tell them about Jesus. I, you know, all these good things that I saw coming from the U.S. And then so my father and mother, they had eight kids and uh, my dad would go preaching all over the country and we, he started a steel drum orchestra with all the kids. And we would play the steel drums 
and my dad would preach. And then someone from Minneapolis now heard us play the steel drums, and he said, you guys got to come to a pastor's conference we're having. And they flew us up to Minneapolis in the summer, and we got off the plane. It was about 9 o'clock in the evening, and the sun was still out, and we were confused. In Trinidad, you know, it's dark, it's pitch black at 7 p.m. every single day. And we saw the sun still out, and we looked at each other, and we asked, what's going on? And then, you know, we got out, uh, and we reached the home about 11 p.m. that night, and it got down to about 61 degrees, and we were freezing. <laughs> we, we don't get lower than 70 that often, you know. Every evening in Trinidad, it's 75. Look forward, it's 75. During the day, 80 is 90 probably, but it's... It's so 61, we were freezing, and that guy put on his chimney for us and had a fire going in his house, and he got calls from all of the neighbors, what's happening, is everything okay? And he said, yeah, you know, I just got a bunch of Trinidadians in my house, it's okay. And we went to the pastor's conference, and we played our hands off, and we just had a great time. And all the pastors said, if you're ever back in the U.S., you got to come to our church. So the next year, we got a 15-passenger van, and we got a U-Haul trailer, and we traveled the roads, and I loved every bit of it. And we probably played in about 35 churches in, during the two-month summer vacation that we get, and then we came back the next year and I started doing this when I was about eight or nine years old and then we came back every single year for 15 years and we just loved it and we would come and we would minister in a bunch of churches you know we would play between Sunday to Sunday we would play about 10 times you know if we just found places we would play in schools all over and you know what what we would do as kids when we go to a church is that we would you know when we were done playing and we pack up the U-Haul we would just go out and meet folks our own age. So I'm nine years old and I'm meeting nine-year-olds and ten-year-olds and just hanging out with them and asking them, you know, what's it like in the U.S.? And you know what we did? We exchanged addresses. And I'm not talking email addresses here. I'm talking home address where you write a letter and you put a stamp on it and you wait for a month to get a reply. That's what we did. And then, you know, we got older, and I met uh, kids, you know, all through the summer, and I'm getting older, and every year we will exchange addresses. And then, you know what? One day it turned into email addresses. And then, you know, we would exchange email addresses, and then it turned into MSN Messenger, and then it turned into something called Facebook. And now I'm reconnecting with a bunch of folks that I met a long time ago. And, you know, I met all of these people in the church, and I'm talking to them, and when you add one of them as a friend, you see a couple that you met around them, so you add them as well, and then when you see your brothers and their friends, you take some of their friends, and then you're reconnecting with a bunch of people, and then before long, you know, I'm talking to them, and I'm asking them, uh, how are you going? Uh, uh, how is your walk with the Lord? And can I tell you guys something? Uh, over half of them that I'm reconnected with, I realize that they are not walking with the Lord anymore. And I thought that was pretty sad. And the truth is, I met them all in the house of God. That was the sad part about it. And I started thinking about this, and I thought to myself, you know, 
You know, this country has been so good to the world. You have. I could share stories with you uh, beside in a spiritual uh, level of how the, the U.S. has helped our country. You know, the U.S. has always been looking out uh, for other countries and have been pushing the gospel of Jesus to other countries. And I realized something. I realized and take it from me, I'm just from a little guy from Trinidad, uh, this country is under a specific attack. Amen. The USA is under attack. Uh, there's something happening in America, and there's a move happening in America to discredit the church. There's a move happening in America to destroy churches. I think uh, the Christians in America is under a, a special kind of uh, persecution that you don't see other places. It's spiritual warfare. You said it. And I thought about that, and I thought to myself, what is the answer to this problem? And I, you know, I, I thought of a lot of things. And I'm, I've heard preachers talk about a lot of different things that's happening in the U.S. and a lot of different things that they can do. And, you know, but I thought of something that the church can do that, that will help combat this problem. And one of the things the church can do is not just say you're the church, but live it. Not just go to church, but be the church. I thought of that, you know, and, you know, you guys have this beautiful building here with these beautiful stained uh, glass windows. It's awesome. You don't see things like that in Trinidad ever, you know, and this is nice. But I want to tell you guys that you did not come to church this morning. The church came together in this building. Now, this building can be used for a lot of different reasons, uh, but it's being used today to house the church. You are the church. And it's time we not just say it, it's time that we act like it. And I'm looking at all of you, and I met some of you, and I can just tell that God's spirit is in you guys, and this, this place is a wonderful place. Uh, but you know what? I want to go to my Bible. And I want to I read a passage of Scripture, in my opinion, this is a beautiful example of what the church should look like. Now, I want you to remember that when I say church, I'm not talking of the building. I'm talking about you. So when I read this passage of scripture, I want you guys to read it and think about yourself and ask yourself, are these things describing me? Don't think of the person next to you, in front of you, or don't think of the person that you think of when you hear the word church. Think of yourself. Do some self-seeking with me this morning. And this is what it says. It says this, When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Can you go to the, the next verse, please? And all of them who believed were of one heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had all things in common. Let's go to the verse before that, verse 31. Uh, this is what it says. When they had prayed, uh, uh, 
I, I want to use a word this morning that we should all strive uh, to be, and that is the word healthy. Uh, I'm going to describe a healthy church this morning, and I hope you realize that I did not say uh, a big church or an influential church or a rich church, you know, all these things that we try to associate success with. I want you guys to think of a healthy church, a healthy church, all right? Uh, and I use the word healthy very specifically, all right? This is what it says. When they prayed, a healthy church is a praying church. Can I ask you guys a question? Wives, can I ask the wives a question, ladies? Do you guys pray for your husbands? I'm seeing the heads, let's shake it. Uh, husbands, do you pray for your wives? What about your kids? Do you pray for your kids? Mm-hmm. Multiple times a day. I like you. you know, do you pray for your president? Wow, I heard everyone say yes for that one. It seems like he needs a lot of prayers, but I'm going to say something. I am going to tell you, your president needs all the prayers he can get. And I don't mean that uh, sarcastically. He needs the prayers that he can get from the church. You know, every time I go to the, a church and I use the word president, uh, I see people eyes perk up. You know, sometimes, you know, if you, if, if the church is sleeping, you just say the word Trump and they wake up. <laughs> I've noticed that. And someone told me, he said, um, Israel, if you ever go to a church in the U.S. to preach, don't talk about politics. And I said, I can't promise you that. But this is what I'm going to say this morning. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to say. I notice something every time you guys have elections. This is what I've noticed. Uh, if one person got into power, 50% of the country is going to be upset. And if the other person got into power, the other 50%, they're going to be upset. And it's, it's kind of funny when you think about it. It is. It is. You know? You know? But, you know, you guys, there's such a thick distraction going on in your politics. There's such a distraction. You know, so many things happen that got you guys thinking either left or right, left or right. And, you know, as children of God, we need to be thinking up or down. You know, at the end of the day, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have, uh, uh, you know, one of two things is going to happen. It's either you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or you're going to hear, depart from me. I do not know you. And nothing else is going to matter at the end of the day. And I hear a lot of people screaming to the top of their lungs, you got to choose left or right. Christians, we have to scream to the top of our lungs, you've got to choose up or down. Heaven or hell. Jesus, uh, an eternity with Jesus or an eternity without him. That's all that's going to matter. And I just want to encourage the church that we need to get back to that place of focusing on Jesus Christ. Amen? Uh, a healthy church is a praying church. Every time I come to the U.S. and I go to certain schools, they will let me play the steel drums. And, and when I go to the Christian schools, they will let me share a word and pray. And when I go to certain schools, they will tell you, no praying, no Jesus, just music. And, you know, it's sad that in America, 
that someone took prayer out of your schools. That is sad. Do you know if you guys took a missions team to Trinidad and, and you, you came with me, I can take you to the schools and you could go to any school in Trinidad and preach about Jesus and you can give an altar call and kids are free to come down and receive Jesus in any school and you can't do that in America? That's sad. You know, it's sad that someone took prayer out of your schools. But you know what's even, uh, even more sad? When we don't have prayer even in our homes. That is even sad. Who are you going to blame for not having prayer in your homes? You can't blame the government for that one. Uh, we have to do some soul searching. Uh, we need to be a healthy church. This country is crying out and screaming out for a healthier church. A healthy church, a healthy individual is a praying individual. Amen? Amen. All right. When they had prayed, the place where they gathered together was shaken. A healthy church continues to gather together. And you may seem that that seems a little simple, but that is very important. Continuing to meet together is very, very important. You know we live in a day and age where you can have a church service in the palm of your hand. It's possible. I mean, if you were to go on Google and type in your favorite preacher, they're going to come up. And if you type in your favorite uh, song, it's going to come up. And you could just put your headphones on and have church. It's possible. And I want to tell you guys, you know, those things are good. And I'm seeing a camera over here. Where is it? It's somewhere. I saw I don't even see it. You know, but they're looking at me. They're looking at me. It's up there somewhere. I trust you guys. I, I saw the stage from the screen, so I know there's a camera somewhere. It, oh, there it is. Okay. You know, I don't know what that camera is for, but I'm guessing, you know what? You can put that on the internet. You can put that on YouTube. You can put that on Facebook. There are things called Facebook Live. Uh, you could stay home and take in a service on Facebook Live. That's excellent. You know what? But those things are not supposed to be in substitution for the house of God. My daughters are here, and my wife would go to Walmart, and she would buy the princess gummies. All right? These are gummies shaped like princesses from Disney, and they are health supplements. You know, and one day I'm looking at the bottle, and it said, this is a health supplement. This is not in substitution for your food. And I thought about that, and I said, wow, imagine something that is meant to be healthy for you. If you ate only that, you're going to be unhealthy, you know? And, you know so I realized that this is not to replace the, the, the main thing. And it's like that in church. You know, all these things that we have access to, they should be in addition to the house of God. They should never be substitutes for the house of God. I think the house of God is where you need to be. And whenever, my Bible tells me, whenever... Uh, uh, I was glad when they said to me, let us go 
into the house of God. Whenever Pastor Joel says, listen, I want you guys to come to the house of God, you need to be glad. Don't tell yourself, oh no, another service. You get through those doors and you know what? You bring someone along with you. And listen, being in a house of God is a blessing all by itself. There are so many things happening all over the world. And I know your pastor's wife had spent time in China. And listen, coming to the house of God is a blessing. And you should find yourselves here whenever you get the chance. So a healthy church is a praying church. A healthy church continues to meet together. Amen? And this is what it says. The place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I want to say to you, a healthy church is filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know the term being filled with the Holy Spirit can, you know, take different interpretations to where you go. This is where, this is where I think being filled with the Holy Spirit starts. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that means you have invited Jesus to come into your heart. The Spirit of God comes in you when, when you ask Him to come into your heart. But an outward confession should always uh, result in an inward conversion. When you say Jesus come into your heart and you live like nothing is different, you need to question yourself. Because being filled with the Holy Spirit means some of the things you used to do, you don't do it anymore. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means some of the things you used to say, you don't do it anymore. There are certain things that men will always struggle with. And you know what? If you try to fight that on your own strength, you're always going to be unsuccessful. There are certain things we need the help of the Holy Spirit with. The Holy Spirit is powerful. I can talk about the Holy Spirit all day long. But you know what? It's almost lunchtime. All right? But I want to say this. Uh, one way that you know that you have the Holy Spirit in you as well is this. Uh, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. America, this is the attack on you. It's for your boldness. Those who profess to be Jesus lovers, uh, they, they look like crazy people in the eyes of people today. Uh, uh, those who always talk about Jesus, there's a movement taking place to keep you guys quiet. I can talk about this. I've been to churches in your, in your country. I've been to universities in your country where they teach about the Bible and I spoke on certain things from the Bible about certain things that the Bible says is a sin and I read it and people in a Christian college walked out on me. I couldn't believe it. There are things happening in this country and the attack is for you guys to be quiet. The attack is for you to not be as bold as you used to be. Can you think of someone in your, in your life that needs Jesus? What are you doing about it? 
sometimes we think for someone to give their hearts to Christ, sometimes we think we need to get them through the doors of Sunnyside Baptist. And that's a good thing. But you know what? We, being the church, we go out to them almost every single day. They should be hearing about Jesus from you as well. What are we doing about that? We need to be the church. I want you to think for me, think of three messages that you have heard in your lifetime, three sermons that you have heard in your lifetime that really impacted your life. And, and, and think of the, the scripture it came from and what the message was about and think of the points in the sermons. And while you're doing that, I want you to think of three people that really impacted your life and helped you walk closer with Jesus. And I almost can guarantee all of you it's easier to think of a person rather than a sermon. You know why? Because a sermon is good. But when you live the sermon, it becomes even more powerful. A lot of times people hear what you have to say, but when you line it up with your lifestyle, they see it and they get it. Your life is a testimony. It's not, it's, listen, I don't know about you guys, but the time for just saying you're the church, it's over. It's time to be the church. And not just be any church. Be a healthy church. It's not about being a big church. If God blesses you to be a huge church, say thank you, but make sure that you are huge and healthy. And if God says, listen, I'm going to take some of you and you're going to get to be a small church, just make sure that you are a healthy church and you're small. I want it to be a lot taller than this. I promise you. Eh? When, when I reached 20 and I heard someone say that that's all, you know, that, that's all, when you're 20, that you don't grow taller. And I was so upset, you know. Uh, but you know what? I thank God for my health. And if someone said, I can, I can do something to get you taller, I'm going to listen to them. But if they told me that it can cost you some of your health, I would say, no, thank you, because I know what's more important than being big. That is being healthy. And there are folks, they will give their last dollar away to ensure that they are healthy because they know what's more important than being wealthy, and that is being healthy. We should strive to be a healthy church. America, you are under attack. Take it from me. I'm just someone from the outside looking in. And I'm just saying what I'm seeing. You are under attack and it's time to fight back. And the way we fight back is by being a church that's on our knees. You need to be a church that is praying. You need to be coming out every time there's a service. Let's, let's all invite people to give their hearts to Christ. Let's be a church filled with the Holy Spirit. And let us always be bold about the word of God. Amen. God bless you guys. I'm going to turn it back to Pastor Joel. I love you guys. Amen. Amen.